0: Welcome to the Sober Unicorn. We are a gay hosted, all-inclusive podcast about sobriety and addiction recovery for the LGBT plus community and all of our allies. I'm your host, Holden, and thank you for joining us today. Hey everybody, it's Holden here again with the Sober Unicorn. I hope everybody's doing well today. Today we have another very special guest with us. Um, we also, just like Daniel and just like Kelly from previous episodes. We met at the Big D Roundup here in Dallas, Texas. And the Big D Roundup is just kind of a big, sober event. It is catered to the LGBT community, but we do leave it open to all of our allies and anybody that just wants to join for a weekend of recovery. So everybody, I want you to say hello to Keith. Hey, Keith. Hey. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing pretty good, enjoying the heat. It's lovely (laughs) outside.
0: Enjoying it this weekend
1: unbearable i figure every every second that i don't spontaneously combust is you know is i'm a winner so that's the way i look at it yeah for
0: sure i think yesterday was 107 degrees (laughs)
1: and
0: and i think monday we're supposed to i think it's like 108 or 109
1: yeah that's lovely
0: (laughs) yeah if you're if you're listening and not from texas do not come to texas
1: (laughs) oh my god it's getting worse it was i don't i don't think it was ever like this bad before either so
0: especially not in june i mean we're in july now but i mean it normally takes until august to get this hot Mm -hmm. but uh, this is the time for pool pool parties and but make sure you always go with a sober mindset or sober friends to help keep you sober um So why don't you tell everybody kind of like who you are, um, how long
1: you've been sober, and like what your drug of choice was? Okay, well my name is Keith, um, as you might guess, and my let's see, I've been so my sobriety date is January twenty seventh of two thousand three, which seems like a lifetime ago, but uh, sometimes it seems like it was just yesterday. (laughs) And my drug of choice, I'm kind of your basic alcoholic. Drugs are in my story, but first and foremost, my love affair was with alcohol. Um, I would say most of the drugs that I did uh, were when I was already drinking. So um, um, alcohol was my drug of choice. Yeah.
0: So it was, I mean, it will, you say basic, there's nothing basic about being alcoholic. (laughs)
1: Right. They they call it garden variety alcoholic or something like that.
0: Really? I haven't heard that term
1: before. Yeah. Somewhere it's somewhere in the big book. And uh it's it's well the reason I say that is because a lot of people have come in, like CMA is a big fellowship now, and like I never I never did that. Um I've been to CMA meetings. I love the people there. I know I know most of the people in CMA, so I enjoy going and Sharing in a general way, but uh um, I was yeah, I was an alcoholic first and foremost. Lot of lot of marijuana in there too, so I don't know how that counts, but
0: I mean marijuana, not, it seems like everybody does pot these days.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was like whenever I was drinking, I always wanted to find find weed, and then it never turned out pretty from that point on. So I don't that was the insanity for me. And then there was some cocaine in there too, and you know, there was a little hallucinogenic period near the beginning of college, some mushrooms and mescaline and all that kind of stuff.
0: <laughs> See that's crazy because when I was drinking, um, what I wanted to search for was um some trade um or some cocaine so I can continue to drink further in. I mean the weed would just settle me down way too much. And I'm like, I just want to nap. And that was the party was over at that point. So yeah. why don't you like what is kind of your backstory on like, as you said, hallucinogenics in college, so, I mean, it seems like your addiction era kind of started young, so, lead us up to, like, needing to get sober, and why, why you chose to get sober.
1: Well, I, let's see, it all started, I guess, for me, with, like, the partying, I, I think it was the fall of 10th grade for me, so, I was about 15 years old, and I remember all the kids in high school were, um, you know, I came of age kind of in the the 80s, so, I'm a little older, and, um, uh it seemed like all the kids were, were drinking and going to concerts and i wanted to be part of but i remember also being kind of like say scared to drink but i was like oh what if i lose control which is kind of ironic in the end but um you know i was was scared of losing that control and then i had my first drunk and it was a blackout and it was fun and it was a good time and then um i had some friends who smoked pot you know, mentioned that and that happened like a month later so i was like ooh all these new little fun things to, to, to play with. And uh, so I went through through high school. Um, I, I don't know what, how I would describe myself in high school, kind of in the middle, I had friends who were jocks, friends who were kind of stoners. I was sort of in the middle of it all, not sure who I was, that kind of thing. And um, near the end of high school, I remember we I experimented a little bit with hallucinogenics. There was you know, acid and mescaline and then mushrooms my freshman year of college. a lot of fun, but I never really got, you know, that talk about being out of control. I mean, that was just, that's kind of the problem with that stuff. So um, I wasn't that into tripping, but uh, somewhere along the lines, I think in sophomore year of college, I got introduced to cocaine. And so, as you mentioned, that was, that, that was a blast. I mean, you know, drink, you could just drink forever on that. So I was very fortunate uh, when I was younger, my dad bought a house on Martha's I'm from the Boston area. I'm from Massachusetts. And so my, I grew up just North of Boston in a suburb and my dad bought a house on Martha's Vineyard, which I think most people have heard of now, but back then it was almost like nobody had heard of it, but it was this little, this little Island off of Cape Cod. And so, uh, my summers were partying, you know, beach parties. If you ever saw the movie Jaws, it was like the way the movie opens at the beginning with a beach party and, you know, us around the fire partying. So, um, so that was, I mean, it was just such good times for me. I love that And college. was fun. And, and like I said, there was, there was some drugs and there it was pot and cocaine and drinking and it, it really, um, it got kind of bad for me near the end. I didn't get sober until I was 38. So that went on for a while. And, uh, I moved here to Dallas. I work in radio. I moved here um, to Dallas and when I moved here my former co my former employers had spoken to me about going to AA meetings they thought I had a problem back then Um, I used to be at I was the morning disc jockey and I would be on stage and be kind of drunk introducing bands and they could kind of tell it wasn't pretty so that kind of stuff and so I got here but two years went by before I got sober here and so near the end I was just drinking every Every night, the obsession would set in in the afternoon and uh, I would go between three different things th- between vodka, beer and wine. I remember that three basic choices and I would alternate every day. So it didn't seem like I had a problem, but I did. And so uh, and I would go to like three different liquor stores, you know, on the, on the way home. So nobody, So they didn't think I had a problem. And um, just at the end, it just got so ugly and so dark and so sad. And you know, those last few months of drinking, my father passed away. Um, I remember he was he was in the hospital in Boston for about a month, and uh, he was on life support basically. And at the end, I knew that we were going to take him off life support, and I knew he was going to pass. And I just got absolutely obliterated that night. I went to a Tom Petty concert. Go figure. So, um, just really, that was my way of dealing dealing with everything. And so what happened was um, my dad passed that November, this is all 2002, and then 2003 came around and uh, I made it to, my date is January 27th. So on the 26th, I was out drinking and and smoking pot and doing whatever else with this, this friend of mine, who well, I'm not really friends with anymore, all we had in common was drinking. And we were on our way back from the bars on Cedar Springs and I drove my car. I took a wrong turn somewhere and I ended up driving my car into a fire truck. And so, um, so for a while, at least Atlanta, I mean, not so much anymore, but when I came in, I was known as fire truck, Keith, the guy with the fire truck. And so I totaled my car, nobody got hurt, but it was definitely a God thing because I felt that I couldn't stop of my own accord there was just no way and I remember you know at the end it was I was I was drinking in the morning something I said I wouldn't do crossing those lines and then making screwdrivers in the morning and just absolutely not being able to to stop um it was like I couldn't live with it I couldn't live without it it was that like jumping off point and so God you know so for me it's like the fire truck is that symbol of you know the, <laughs> I'm, it's you know, and I remember that I I remember hitting it, and and I actually had pot on me, and I threw it out the window in the car. At least I thought to do that, so I didn't get any drug charges. But um, and you know, in retrospect, I don't even know if I liked liked pot. It was just something that was always seemed to be there, and I, and I would never consider myself a stoner, but whatever. Um, so just added to the buzz, I guess. And. Um, I got a DUI from that, and I had gotten a DUI in college too, by the way. I should add, I was the designated driver one night college, and we went to an off-campus party. And I thought designated driver just means you drink a little less than everybody else. But my standards of drinking were so you know, whatever, just I it it just it just didn't make sense. So I was worried that when I got the second dui from the fire truck that I'd be going, you know, going away to, I I envisioned myself going to, you know, Huntsville or whatever, like some major prison. And um, so I get really scared and, and um, I was scared straight, I guess you'd say, scared sober in a way. And I remember sitting in the back of the police car because they gave me the drunk test and they were very nice to me. I remember that. And, but I wanted to get caught. I think I really did. And I remember being in the back of that police car and just sitting there just, going, this is it, I'm done, I am done with this. And so that's kind of what it took for me. I don't recommend anybody else go through all that, but that's kind of what it took me to get to that moment of surrender. And then the next day I went to an AA meeting and, um, And I still didn't quite understand like what an alcoholic was. I mean because you come in and everybody's saying I'm an alcoholic, I'm an alcoholic and for me alcoholic was kind of a punchline. you know it was kind of like oh he's an alcoholic you know it'd be like an insult you know and so um so I didn't quite understand of course until I read like doctor's opinion and you know started doing the actual work and so I said I was an alcoholic in the beginning but my mind was probably going am I but I mean, I'm a problem drinker, you know, what's an alcoholic? So once I realized what an alcoholic was, it's like, yeah, I'm an alcoholic. And and I remember the first time that I told told what happened in a meeting about hitting the fire truck, the whole room burst into laughter. And I'm like, it's like, it's not, you know, it wasn't funny to me quite yet, you know, but uh, it's kind of funny now that I think about it, I guess. So that's kind of what it took me. And um, I've been through a lot. And, you know, when I tell my story, I still like feel like, you know, we all have that critical voice inside of us. But it's like, I still feel like I take so long to get to the the fire truck in my story because I'm a little ADD. So I go off on a tangent this way or that way. And um, but so much has happened in sobriety. I mean, a third of my life has been sober, I guess, about a third. Well, I'll have no, I'm not that old. Let's we'll see. Well, anyway, um, I'll, I'll have 20 years next January, so I'm getting up there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's That's insane kind of the
0: that yeah. you're talking about this fire truck story because, of course, I mentioned a BDR roundup at the reception dinner, and yeah. it was the first time I went to Lambda. Um, I had her on the the show, so I'll talk about her. Uh, Keith, not Keith, Jesus, Kevin. Yeah. Um, me and Kevin were talking, and he was talking about some queen in Lambda that hit a fire truck in drunken oh. rage. <laughs> and so it's funny now that I don't think I ever knew it was you.
1: Yeah, unless but, I don't think anybody else has. I'm pretty sure I I I, I hold that title. Yeah. So
0: it's funny that it, yeah that it's like full circle back. So I mean that's that's crazy though that it took all that. Uh, of course, hitting a fire truck. I think for anybody. Will be like, oh my god, like I I really have a problem, um. But it was lambda like your first introduction into the twelve step program.
1: No, I actually went. I went to a, a a group here in Dallas. It was called the Oakland Group, and I think they're still there. And it it was basically. Um, I figured it was the gay group and I figured okay, I'll be at home there. And it was it was kind of an eclectic group of people. And it was that was my first week of meetings. And I remember they, you know, we read out of Dr. Bob and the old timers book one time. And I remember asking what a dry drunk was, and they were like, Oh, you know, cute, keep, keep coming back, you know, and and uh, you know, kind of giving me that. And um, we went to the the vegetarian. Uh, Indian restaurant, whatever it was, you know, in Oakland and to eat. And um, it was, let's see, I didn't go to land until a Saturday night meeting, like my first, the end of my first week of sobriety. And so, and I remember sitting in the back of the room. I didn't want to talk to anybody, you know, got out of there as quick as I could have brought my dog with me. I had a pug I inherited my dad's pug named Otis, this big fat pug, and uh, I had Otis out in the car so I could make a clean getaway after the meeting. And then, then finally, that next week, I started going to noon meetings, and um, I was very close with my coworkers too. I should add um, that here. And my boss's wife through a. This is kind of bad. I don't even have a cell phone. I forget how everything got communicated back then. I don't even. I I guess I'm behind the times. I didn't have a cell phone in 2003 uh, till, till later that year. But I know when I hit the fire truck, somehow my boss, my boss was sick. The guy who brought me here to Dallas, basically. So we were pretty close and his wife answered the phone and she came down and like bailed me out. It was a long story, but yeah. So, um, everybody kind of knew what I was going through and, um, but it's, it stuck, you know, um, I know like some people relapse as part of their story. I did, I did try to quit drinking in my, you know, drinking career. There were a few points where I went a month here, a month there, and I remember it very vividly. Um, you know, which I think, unless you're on an alcoholic, it wouldn't be that big of a deal to not drink for a month. You know, but for me, it was just like, at one time, I remember like crying out of nowhere, and I had this friend here. I went, I think I went like about five weeks here not drinking when I lived here. And I remember going to a, a Mavs game with this friend of mine who was a trainer at the gym I went to and I was in the car and I just started like crying afterwards. And it was like, what's what's wrong with me? And so um, <laughs> it was untreated. So, I mean, without the program, I can't, you know I can't thank AA enough for my life. I mean, there's just no way I could do it without myself personally.
0: Oh, for sure. I mean, I tried drink. I mean, I tried quitting drinking multiple times. And I mean, I, I've shared before Thing. it's funny that I searched out AA meetings yeah. and all of them had the, the the abbreviation C on it and I kept like oh god they're it's closed they're full there there's oh. too many people <laughs> and it was up until uh my last drunk in um Georgia that I was talking to my coworker, and I was like I have to stop like I can't keep doing this and she's sure. like oh my boyfriend goes to a meeting close to you and I was like well it says that it's closed and her boyfriend's like no dumbass like that just means that it's for alcoholics and stuff. Right. But so, I mean, I finally went to a meeting, and uh, I didn't go to Lambda, of course, until very recently. Right. My my AA adventures have been predominantly in the the normal straight rooms, not right. gay centric, until maybe the past six months or four months. But I know that in the the realm of AA, we talk about like people. Let me rephrase this people that from the outside that have never stepped foot in the rooms um or even get comments on my Instagram saying oh like AA is not for me AA is so boring um that it's not I mean That's it's, not. the thing is it, it says in the book that we are not a glum lot, mm-hmm. and I I tell people that I have so much more fun going into the rooms and what I do outside of the rooms like sobriety doesn't have to centralize itself in those four walls it goes out of those four walls you make connections in those rooms so like what does the term not a glum lot" mean to you and in your recovery in the past 19 years you got sober when i was like in elementary school <laughs> uh-huh.
1: thanks a lot <laughs> yeah i'm getting older um <laughs> It well, what it means, I mean, since the beginning, I, I chose a sponsor. Um, well, actually, my first sponsor was kind of chosen for me through somebody else, but it was based on what that person kind of knew of me. And my sponsor was kind of a, a smart ass like me. He was this, um, he was actually a very well known, um, uh, I say, won't say his name, but he was an established chef, kind of like a world known chef, and he owned a restaurant here and all this stuff. But he was just, we had very, um, uh I don't want to say sarcastic sarcasm is supposedly bad I guess but you know as a whole but we were but we were kind of sarcastic and wise assy and um I had a lot of fun I traveled with him we went to like Santa Fe and went skiing and saw his friends and went to Provincetown Roundup and did all these things and uh you know the people I hung out with were were fun people I gravitated towards that because I didn't want to you don't want to just come in and you know it's not a we can't let say we can't subscribe to this veil of tears or something like that i'm, I'm i've like quoted the big book twice now people are going to think i'm a big book thumper but uh just some of those lines stick out to me yeah we are not a glum lot if people you know couldn't see the joy and the merriment and all that stuff i mean i met you at, at, at the roundup at that table and that was a very interesting group of people at that table um <laughs> yes it <laughs> was yeah i mean just some of the some of the biggest personalities out of doubt that i've met and in, and in, in aa when i came into lambda it was, um, God, There was like people coming in with like drama, interrupting meetings. And this one girl, I won't say her name, but she used to like, she'd get, we would time it, she'd get 10 or 20 seconds into a, into a share and she'd start crying like all the time. And so it was like, okay, you know, it was, it was kind of, I mean, I really look forward to, and I still look forward to going to meetings. You know, we had a meeting last night, my friend, uh, Greg, Greg H was was chairing, and it was the most it was the most wonderful meeting, just because everybody it seemed like everybody was there except for yourself, of course. But um, I don't know if you met the little Greg, but uh, he you know it was just this great meeting of of people uh, that we just all came together, and the room was packed, and I couldn't imagine. I mean, there's no way being in a in a bar is that much fun, or you know doing anything we shouldn't be doing is that much fun anymore you know we get to remember it afterwards and after that we went out to eat and uh i'm sure some people went on to like game night or whatever you know there's just always and the roundup itself i mean is so much fun uh, i'm always involved this year i was the volunteer the volunteer person which was it actually worked out pretty well i was a little nervous but i had to get all the volunteers for everything and i'm not i'm not the most organized guy my list was very handwritten and kind of whatever but it all worked out because everybody um it's there's just such good people in sobriety it's everyone trying to be their their best selves and i think we're a little too hard on ourselves sometimes but that's just our nature um but I without a doubt i it's certainly the best decision I ever made and the best people in, in my life. I still have friends from from before, you know, some some like quote unquote partying friends, but it's just, it's not the same connection. We all have this connection that we just don't have.
0: Well, in, I think that's the great thing about like being in, in sobriety, not per se AA, but just sobriety as a whole, is that no matter what walk of life that we come from, we have this like common ground. And so it kind of forces you to get to know somebody that you would otherwise never get to know. Right. Because, I mean, like, I'll, I'll put it out there, like, uh, Keith here is a more uh, muscular, better-looking guy. And, like, so if I was at a bar um, at, at the Eagle or something in Dallas, well, which is not longer, but I would never once have a conversation with you because I would just look at you and be like, he's stuck up, he's an asshole, he's full of himself. Oh, well, I am, yeah. <laughs> but- no. No, because we're we were in a area of sobriety in a safe space a conversation yeah. started and it's it's been good it's been fun and so I mean it kind of puts friendships in line that it, with people that you would never otherwise have a conversation with and come to find out that these people are some of the most humble some of the most kind some of the most helpful like I can make a phone call like Daniel that I just had on like he's a big book thumper um yeah and just, I can make a quick phone call and no matter where these people are at, they'll answer. So that's one thing I could say about sobriety is that like it brings so many different personalities together um, into one safe spot and to make the friendship grow. Yes, there is drama, but I think the drama within the rooms is far less than the drama you're going to have at a yeah.
1: drinking, getting yeah. fucked up at a bar. And the drama is pretty funny. I mean, we've um, there are there are some of the without a doubt some of the funniest people I've I've truly met in, in sobriety who I love so much. Today, for for example, today we sadly we lost. Um, did you meet Bruce? Or, or did I did Bruce, not meet you? Bruce. The Dragon Lady. Dragon Lady. So today is the is a memorial, one of two memorials we're having for Bruce. And you know I you know, Bruce, for example, was just somebody I gravitated towards because of his love of inappropriate humor. And I have, uh, I have my last, last text message exchange with him that I, I wouldn't show to a lot of people probably, but I mean, it's, it's just, it just cracks me up still looking at that. And I have that gift for him. And, um, you know, he was one of those people who just said it like it was, but I mean, he's, he's hysterical and, um, you know, he made, and there was one time that, you know, I'm somebody who would never do, I would never do drag, but, um, I'm sorry to say it like that. But I would never do drag. But, we should uh, totally
0: get you in drag now. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: well, I did. You missed it, but in 2012, uh, for the, for the roundup, for a benefit for the roundup, uh, they have, they have something called drag camp and I'm not sure if we're still doing it, but at, at, uh Gosh, I forget what it is. Maybe the Christmas auction or something. They auction off uh, drag camp, and people put in money for some member of, you know, of Lambda or whatever. Somebody who would not normally do drag. They they put in a whole bunch of money for that person to do drag. So I was the one that was supposed to be me and and Harry P, who uh, backed out at the last minute. But I ended up doing it. And so Bruce Bruce did my makeup, and I spent like the afternoon. It was a Saturday night. And I spent the afternoon, and you know, with him making me up, and I ended up looking like an old country singer by the time it was all over. It was pretty funny, and I do remember that that day. I was we were sitting there, and all of a sudden, the news comes across that Whitney Houston died, like the same day. So I was, I was upstage. You know, everybody's all upset about that. That was like the big news that day. But Bruce, I mean, I spent the afternoon, and it was just. I just, I've spent so much time laughing with people like that and, you know, and roundups and I've been to other roundups too. I've been to Florida, you know, Provincetown, as I mentioned, and just, we just make such good friends and, and it's always, there's always laughter involved. We're not, we're not a glum lot in the least. I mean, if, if, if we were forget it, you know, and there's a time to treat it seriously. It's not like it's not a serious disease, but I think that cause I didn't understand about people laughing at the fire truck in the beginning. Like what is funny? Because first of all, it was on the news. It was like, there were camera crews out filming that night. It was the night before the super bowl. This was back when the super bowl, I think it was a week earlier or whatever. And, and I remember a friend of mine going, Hey, I saw your car on the news. <laughs> I'm going, oh my god! I was so, I was so scared. It was just, it wasn't funny to me until it was, you know, and I think it becomes funny because we know that, we're doing everything we can and with the help of a higher power so that that doesn't happen again. You know, yeah, so and- it's I didn't live for that happening again.
0: You're listening to The Sober Unicorn. We'll be right back after this short break. This episode is brought to you by Von Shine Creatives at HandmadeAndGreat.com. Von Shine Creatives is a sober owned business featuring finely crafted goat's milk and vegan soaps. Treat yourself for someone you love today. Take $5 off of 25 on all your purchases site wide. And remember, it's always free shipping. Use the coupon code SOBER, which helps support Von Shine Creatives and the Sober Unicorn Podcast all at once. Link and coupon code will be in the bio. Now back to our episode. Bruce, Bruce, if I'm not mistaken, because I've seen, of course, a lot of photos shared um, through people in Lambda to remember him by. He was over like 30 years sober, correct? Yeah, he got so, sober. 80s. it's like i see these photos of this person that i mean of, of, i didn't have the pleasure of meeting him but he lived his sober life to the absolute fullest i mean he knew so many people if you could see the outpour of love for this individual that just recently passed like it's insane and that's the thing and that's what is so incredible about this program is that you don't have to be anybody other than just who you are Right. And these people just have so much love for him. And he I mean, he had so much fun. I mean, he had his own business with the drag jewels and he I mean, he was a crazy drag queen from all the photos that I've seen. And um and he had so much love and so much support for him. And hopefully I'm not taking you away from any of his memorials today. No, no, no,
1: no. That's that's at that's uh, it's at three o'clock. And then there's one at the the Rose Room also coming up, I think, next month. So he okay. was um yeah, he was known for his his drag his drag performance. He was the dragon lady. And then he started a and the thing thing about amazing thing about Bruce too, he also started uh, designing jewelry. Um I'm, I wanna say costume jewelry. I mean it was it was it was really some of it was really nice stuff. And he actually Gave uh, Lady Lady Gaga wore some of his stuff, you know. To that extent, he had some kind of more famous people wearing his wearing his work, and so that was something that he loved to do. I mean, I I see this a lot in sobriety that we, um, you know, not only we're not a glum lot, we 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 take on our dreams, you know. Um, in the roundup, there's a play, there's a play musical every year usually, and I've been involved with that a lot. I was in it this year. I played a a drunk guy who fell down on stage. And, uh, but in the past, when I was a kid, I was a really good uh, piano player. And so, and I took lessons and then something happened, but I still always kind of maintained the ability to play through my life. And then, um, Bill S who ran the musical, he was our, the, the, the chairman of the roundup this past year, but he, he heard, I, I played the piano and he nudged me into to playing and so for several years in a row i was the music director that i was i was it it was just me playing the piano and so i mean i would have never done that unless you know i don't know it was just something about the 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 joy of sobriety that got me to do that you know and plus i was helping i mean you're it was for a common cause so it was it was a good thing to do so
0: so talk about you on stage this past year during the the, the performance. I mean, you playing a drunk guy. I mean, I don't know if you've had any experience doing no, that, but you played it really well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> not so at all.
0: Yeah. You, of course, got sober back in 2003. So it's like, how, how long did it take you to kind of, before you would go to your first big event that was alcohol kind of surrounded? And then how did you get past that and make sure to come out happy and fun?
1: um i usually surrounded myself with um i i think uh, i remember going out i had this friend of mine named quentin who's, who's moved away a lot we were we were like the closest of sober buddies and we would we would go out to like the roundup and to the, the bar of the roundup and and um you know i i couldn't have done it without him i don't think and i think it was the same same way the thing you know the same way back um that was probably like six months in, and I was still kind of uncomfortable being in bars. So I didn't go out to bars, and I still don't go out to bars a whole lot anyways. I mean, unless there's a reason to be there, or unless you go out with friends. It's been a while. I like to go out dancing every once in a while, um, um, but uh, I'm trying to think of my first big- uh, It's first been a big, long time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> It's it's been a while, yeah. So I've been to some things. I've been to some kind of or circuity things, and. Um, that not that that's my scene exactly but i remember going and kind of seeing um and not not judging people but just being grateful like oh, thank god that's not me you know seeing some of these people just so just so messed up at, at some of these functions and just going oh thank god there's still a there's a there's a woman um i don't know, I'll say her name Sa- sally who i love dearly and she, she we still laugh because she i got sober about a year before her and i was at a party um it was a, it was a mixed crowd it was both sober and not sober people and she was not sober and I remember her just like terrifying me reading me the riot act like why are you sober what fun is that and it's still to this day we, we still laugh about that and then she's she's a she's um she's, she's a lot of fun you know and I can remember all these um, all these these pictures that pop up like in facebook memories of just like all these you know parties we've had with each other the game celebrity got real popular in our group for a while i don't know if you know what that is it's kind of like charades and so we had like these celebrity parties and um oh god there's just there's just so much that is that has happened so Uh, And I'm looking forward to, as sad as today is, I'm looking forward to at least going and, and, you know, memorializing somebody who had a big part to do with my sobriety. Yeah, it's
0: very important to celebrate, of course, some more in more in the passing of somebody, but it's also incredibly important to celebrate their success Mm -hmm. in their life and the part that they had in your life. I mean, it's I'm in the, the funeral industry and I think it's so important. Yes, I think it's important to have emotion but mm-hmm. don't remember them for their passing remember them for what they did when they were living yeah um, exactly and just celebrate that so where was i going I can't, I can't um oh the pool party so talking about events i know there's a pool party coming up the mm-hmm. july 30th the day before my birthday so i haven't decided if i'm gonna go yet but it's it's insane on how many events that these groups put on to make sure sure that the people in sobriety can go somewhere safe. There's no temptation. There's not gonna be any triggers for you. Well, triggers, but at least you're surrounded by sober people to help you through that if if needed. Um, I know I recently went to a pool party that was full of a bunch of drunkenness. All my friends, all my old drinking friends, and I was okay up until um, I was eating some ribs.
1: And oh yeah I've
0: heard this. <laughs> yeah I was like um was I think there was beer in there and so I asked my friend I was like hey um did you cook that with beer and she's like yeah and I was like Fuck. and so I mean I was okay I mean of course the alcohol's been cooked out of it so I mean I wasn't really worried about like considering it a relapse but it was very much of getting that taste in my mouth again yeah Mm-hmm. and like i was co- fully comfortable being surrounded by a ton of liquor up until that moment yeah and then i was like okay it's 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 times to go <laughs> so it's be mindful about especially if you are putting yourself in situations um like me when i go to a bar i try to get like a sprite with a little bit of pineapple juice Yeah. but of course back in the day i used to drink that with vodka and so if you are at a table with a bunch of your friends that drink and there is just a pile of drinks in the middle of the table make sure you grab the right one put two or three straws in your cup so you know which one is yours
1: yeah that's that's a good idea i was at my sister's uh house my first year of sobriety and i remember picking up the wrong drink and just you know and the thing is is that that can happen and i like your your tips for that not happening but it did happen look just like my drink and i i i chug something and I was like oh and bottom line is that what you do from that point you know if you realize it and you don't have any more it's okay um there's an episode of the tv show mom I don't know if you've ever seen that show it's 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 hysterical um I recommend watching it and um Allison Janney isn't it the actress and and uh um, I'm already forgetting the daughter's name um who I love. Anyways, it's a great show. And there's an episode where they're, they're all alcoholics, basically. And so they, a lot of it takes place in meetings. And it's all about sobriety. And one of the writers actually spoke at our roundup maybe uh, 10, 8, 10 years ago, and she was one of the writers of the show. And so um, there's an episode where they where Alice and Janny takes her, her boyfriend's cookies and she brings them to an AA meeting, but she doesn't realize they have edibles in them. And <laughs> so they all so they all get they're all like totally high. And they show up at one point, they're all like in a little playground on the swing sets going, wee, you know, and and so they're all when they find out, they're all like bummed out, they think thinking they have to reset their sobriety days. And the thing is they didn't they didn't know. I mean, so if, if you don't know, yeah, you're okay. But um, I do recommend keeping that from happening. That's why I like. I think there's always. Well, I shouldn't say there's always sober people around, but usually, usually I tend to surround myself with sober people.
0: Yes, or family. of course nowadays everybody has a custom made Yeti. Make yeah. sure your custom Yeti is <laughs> super custom to you. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, it's it's uh, like uh, Kevin has said. It's if you want to stay sober, you yeah. need to surround yourself with those that you want. That you want to be like essentially that if you surround yeah. yourself with sober people and you ever want to drink, you will never have an opportunity to hit that door right to, to leave. so it's it's incredible. it's you don't have to strictly go to sober events, although they are a ton of fun. yeah, I mean, I have not been to a sober event yet that has been incredibly boring. No. Um, it's but it's you don't have to go to sober events, but it is good to make sure you surround yourself with people that are like minded and yeah. have the same goal and everything as you do um because people that are still drinking they ask they're like well what's the fun in that yeah like there's a shit ton of fun in it i can go to bed at one o'clock in the morning still wake up at six or seven in the morning without a hangover remembering every detail of the previous night Mm -mm. not having to worry about who i slept with who (laughs) who who i randomly made out with and then i don't have to check my phone to what drunk texts i said to any (laughs) ex-boyfriends
1: There you go. There's, a, there's definitely an upside to it all. Yeah, I agree. I think it's good to have a, a mixture. And I've I've, I've been with um, some, I, I'm a serial, I don't know, dater, I guess, so to speak. But I have tended to have partners in, in sobriety. Um, I like being in relationships. Right now, I'm uh, getting back to somebody pretty much who's in the program. And then before that, my, my partner before that was very supportive. Um, he drank, but it was like, you know, He's like, no, you're not. You know, not, and not that I ever really wanted to, but I always find people who are at least supportive, um, to say the least. You know, my family is very supportive, and um, so surround yourself with surround yourself with the right people. I definitely, you know, surround yourself with people who make you laugh, who brighten up your day, you know, and people who are people who light up when they see you. It's the same thing. Yes, yeah, so especially
0: people that are not glum, because the thing is, is. Sobriety could be what you make it. And if all you do is think of it as a negative way or a negative uh, life change, then you're going to eventually go out because you're never going to find the joy and the serenity that sobriety can, uh, can give you. I mean, I'm you're, what, 19 years. I'm only eight months in. And it's, it's insane to see. Like it's, it's lovely actually to see when I go into rooms, people that are for 30 days, 10 years, 20 years, enjoying their lives to the absolute fullest. Yeah, of course, when you when I first went into the rooms, um, of course, I was like, what the hell am I doing here? Like, do I have to quit drinking type of thing? But I mean, eventually, once you get past that detox stage and past the, the realization that this is a total life altering thing, it becomes very fun. And when you once you start creating friendships, because you will lose a lot of friends, I lost plenty of yeah. friends, um, and it seems disheartening, and I'm like, well, is this worth it? I, that's, I've asked myself so many times, is this worth it? And it is, because friends come and go throughout your entire life, and it seems yeah. that, as you say, like, many of your friends that you've had in your recovery were lot, have been lifelong friends. You've known mm-hmm. them since you started, and you're still friends with them today, and it seems that your recovery friends have lasted a lot longer yeah. Then you're drunk friends.
1: Yeah. And they're all and they're always there. Um, I think that drunk friends are, are conditional. And I think that, uh, you know, sober friends are are unconditional. And so I was saying last night, even going to that, that meeting when, when Greg was chairing, I was so happy to see him up there. I absolutely love, you know, I love him as his, his partner. There's just so many people in that room that I, that I, that I really you know, that I really, I, you know, I just, that I love, you know, that I just, that I love seeing. So that was, that was such a good example of that last night. And um, those friends, you know, are they really your friends if they don't support your best interests, you know? Um, I don't know. Like there's, there was a friend of mine, uh, the guy who was in the car with me when I hit the fire truck, this guy named Wayne. And when I tell my story, I say Wayne, because he talks. he was like always joking about being drunk and usually was drunk. But I was, I lived in Los Angeles um, in the, the first half of the 90s. I was young and stupid and and basically coming out. I'm set up from Massachusetts. So I got as far away from home as I could to be gay. And, uh, you know, and so I was, you know, I was a bartender in the valley and all this stuff. And And this one place I worked at, Wayne, would come in, and he'd just get wasted every day at happy hour. And, you know, he was a drunk. And so, he was like the only person I knew in Dallas, aside from my coworkers, when I moved here. So I kind of hung out with him from, from time to time. And then once I got sober, yeah, I remember him saying something like, oh, well, what fun is that going to be, you know? And so bye-bye. I've seen him maybe, you know, talk to him like once or twice in like 19 years. So I don't really consider those the kind of friends that I need. You know, I want friends that love me unconditionally, that support me, um, you know, like like those those partners and those friends I was talking about who, who support me, so.
0: Exactly, I mean, even on dating apps, the moment that I tell Ugh. somebody like, oh, I don't drink, they're like, why would you do that? That's so boring. I'm like, okay, block. <laughs> like, if they ask me why or, oh, why don't you? Then of course I'm incredibly happy to explain. Right. Um, but I mean, if they start with the judgment, then I'm like, okay, like you are not worth my time, like not even for a trade moment. Um, yeah. it's not worth my time in any aspect of it. Right. Um, so before we we get to the end of the episode, is there anything that you would like to share with everybody that you haven't spoken of already?
1: No, I mean, i I will say that you know, in my nineteen years, I've been through some 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 pretty heavy stuff. You know, and i I've, I've managed to stay sober. One one thing I tell in my story is that I've had heart. It's I don't know, hereditary what I've had heart issues. Um, I'm healthy to this day luckily, but I've gone through, um, 2008, uh, February, February 1st, 2008, I had two major, or not, I had two major blocked arteries in my, in my heart. And I, and I, um, basically passed out at the gym and I kind of literally died. I was at the 24 hour fitness in Addison, Texas. And, and I, they had the paddles. They had just had those paddles installed. So, it shocked me and I came back to life and all this stuff. And, and, you know, I, I share that. Um, I told my story at Sunday morning live recently, which is a kind of a, a famous meeting here. It's a Sunday morning speaker meeting. And, and it was funny cause I had, I think there were three people in the in the audience who were there with me when this happened. But I talked about how I how I woke up in, in the intensive care unit and I had like short term memory and they're messing with me. They're like they're they're telling me like one they, one of my friends wrote down, your name is Louise. The operation was a success, you know, and so they're they're trying to, you know, it it, it was it is, you know, serious. And I mean, that was a serious thing, but but I, you know, made it through. OK, and my friends were there to, to keep me laughing. And I remember the. That I think that happened on like Friday morning and like that Sunday night, I remember being in my hospital room and it's just this line going out the door of people, you know, from Lambda who were there and, and people were laughing and, you know, because I was okay. But um, it's just, you know, things like that to me are just are so important and more valuable than anything that ever happened in my life before this, you know, so that's that stuff will happen because life life doesn't stop happening. Um, life gets better. It doesn't, doesn't always get easier, but it definitely gets better. So that's um, the
0: damn truth. Life, it does not stop happening at all for anybody.
1: Yeah. I mean, we, we lose people. We, you know, people come and go and, and, you know, relationships I've had, um, you know, I've been like really done with money, you know, finances, romances, all that stuff, you know, they say, yeah, it's going to happen. So, but you know, I'm still here. Um, and, um, I'm still sober. So I mean, that's, that's, you know, I I, I kind of started, um, started working with, with somebody too recently who has me making gratitude lists again. So that's something that um, I can't repeat anything. So that's my challenge. Um, <laughs> not that I'm not but I just feel like I'm always grateful for the same thing. So um, but that's always, that's a, that's a great way to get the day started too, is, is gratitude. And, and, you know, I say my serenity prayer, my third step prayer, my seventh step prayer before I get out of bed and I do gratitude list and hopefully, you know, that helps my day go that much better. You know? Yes.
0: Well, thank you so much Keith, for joining us today.
1: No problem. My pleasure.
0: Well, if you do you want to, um, share any of your social media in case anybody has resonated with your story so they can get a hold of you.
1: Um, well, it, I guess, um, I don't even know my addresses. I'm really just an old, old school Facebook and Instagram guy. It's Keith, Keith Burtwell, Keith Andrew Burtwell. It's B-I-R-T-W-E-L-L. So that's me on Facebook. I think it says Keith Andrews too. I'm a radio, I'm a radio, a radio guy. So I don't mind giving my, my real name, um, it's uh yeah it's it's Keith and it's because it, my Facebook says Keith Andrews in parentheses so that's like my my DJ name uh and I do radio commercials actually but that's like my professional name and then uh my real last name is Bert well, It's B-I-R-T-W-E-L-L so awesome Facebook. I have well, a you- TikTok I just don't I don't know how to do TikTok yet so
0: <laughs> TikTok can be challenging um yeah. we tried to start TikToking and it's you have to stay consistent. And I mean, I just, when I get home, I don't feel like editing for 30 minutes to try to get yeah. my,
1: my lips to sync up
0: with whatever audio I'm using.
1: <laughs> exactly. exactly. I, I mean, I look at that and go, wow, I'm always impressed by people who put the time in to do that. And, uh, and forget Snapchat. I can't even go there. I have no idea how to, how to do that, but that's, that's what the kids are doing these days. So um, I found it from my nephews who are, who are, one's in his late 20s, the other one's 30, that Instagram is their thing. So I guess Instagram is the bigger, is bigger than Facebook. In the, in the it end. is,
0: but it's owned by Facebook. So it's, it's all <laughs> the same at this point. Um, yeah, yeah. You have a wonderful day and I'm sure I'll see yeah, you soon yeah. at a meeting. You will. I hope so. Yeah. Thank you again for listening to today's episode. Hit that follow button to be notified about new episodes every week. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can find us on Instagram at The Sober Unicorn Podcast or on our website at thesoberunicornpodcast.com. There you will find our episodes as well as our very own Sober Owned Shop featuring products from small businesses that are sober owned. And remember everyone, don't be normal, be a unicorn, but better yet, be a sober unicorn.